the Mindset Athlete Podcast, and I'm your host, James Roberts. I'm a two-time Paralympian and owner of James Robert Fitness, which is an online training, nutrition, and mindset coaching business. First of all, I'd like to thank Lauren Williams for suggesting for this quote to the show. An athlete is a mindset. It's how you prepare, think, and execute. Not because of some elite status or physical stature. Anybody can be an athlete. By Chris Hoth. And each week on the Mindset Athlete, we like to bring you inspirational athletes, a message, or experts talking about human optimization to teach you how to change your perception of your mindset and become 1% better. And on today's show, I've got Jacob Pacheco. He is a YouTuber living with cerebral palsy, a pro adaptive surfer, and how will we call it for your 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 um, Instagram post? Uh, an Instagrammer by the name of his handle, prone to ride. So welcome onto the show, Jacob. How's it going? Good morning, James, or good evening in the UK. <laughs> I'm very well, thank you, Jacob, and thanks again for coming on. Yeah, man, happy to be here. Happy to be here. Good to so see you as always. So before we delve into today's episode, Jacob, um, beyond my initial introduction to you, and obviously we have uh, touched base before, and that that episode never saw the light of day, but that, that's down to me. Um, <laughs> that was a deep can conversation. You, can you give a little bit of a nugget, uh, something beyond the initial introduction that I gave you that my audience don't know about you? Uh, well, my name is Jacob. I'm a, an adaptive pro athlete. I run a brand company called Prone to Ride, which is about you know my story, my likeness, but also about empowering people to do you know good things in the community and believing in themselves and stuff. And I I enjoy it every day. Um, I'm living a very blessed life. I'm living a, a happy life every day. And um, yeah, it kind of just took on a name of its own. It kind of took on a life. Home. Prone to Ride really started in 2016 as an idea, and it kind of just continued on from there. Um, and it's been a great journey ever since. Um, you know, we have not we, but I've had the opportunity to, you know, travel to Europe for surfing, I had the opportunity to travel to Hawaii and things like that. Um, I went to Peru. Uh, to just bring empowerment and just bring awareness to people um, with disabilities uh, to the world, you know, because we're capable of doing amazing things in life. It doesn't matter whether you're any, it doesn't matter what color you are, where you come from, or your disabilities. It doesn't matter. All that matters is we're human and we try to do the best. We try to do our best to make the world a better place. At least that's my view. And obviously, Jacob, um, you were in my neck of the woods, so to speak, um, what would it be, a few months ago? Or is it a little bit less than that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was about a what, month ago. What was your take on that event, that environment, that location, and it being a bit like artificial in terms of not being at the coast and having an event in that, in that particular part of the world? Yeah, so, I mean... I did a video on this uh, about the review of the of the Welsh competition. So I had the opportunity to go to Abersach in uh, Wales, and uh, I was there for about a week, and I got to surf in a wave pool, the first ever adaptive, pro adaptive competition in a wave pool. 
and uh, I got to document all of it, and it was really brilliant. Um, country was brilliant. I love the UK. People there are quite nice. Uh, your food needs a little bit of work, but that's about it. I mean, <laughs> I do like a good English breakfast, though. I will say that. What's wrong with the food? Oh, the food's fine. I'm just giving you a hard time. I would just prefer a little, little more flavor. Your fish and chips are great, though. Your fish and chips are wonderful. My goodness. That's like, I was really uh, excited to try fish and chips, and I was not disappointed. It was quite excellent. Um, you know, being in Wales, it was, uh, it was an experience and a half because, uh, it started off on a really tough note and I was able to make the adjustments and move forward with it. But, um, the end result of that was I made some, uh, friends for life over there. Uh, it was, it was an incredible experience. Um, you know, I, I needed help there and a lot of people stepped up. And that's what really made it wonderful was, was not feeling like I was alone. It was like an entire community, uh, regardless of race, age, disability, whatever, just coming together and just helping each other out as best as we could. And there was just a level of acceptance there. That was, uh, that was brilliant. I can't put it any other way other than to say brilliant. <laughs> And, and obviously you went on, I think, looking at your Instagram stories and, and whatnot, you then went from obviously being in the UK for I think, about two weeks or so. I, I, I was uh, in there for seven days. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it was, uh, it was a brilliant time. I went to, I competed in Snedonia. Sorry, I competed in Snedonia and I was in, I went to Aversong. So I saw some really unaltered, beautiful country. Right. Well, it's rugged. That's about it. That's that's probably why, for my basis, um, me being, but for perspective for my audience, um, where Jacob's talking about, he's about, well, surf's not near and that part of the world about an hour away from me, and I've only rec- only just recently, as of. I think about two weeks ago, just driven past that location, ah. and it's on my doorstep. Oh, it was a rough time. We tried to link up over there. It just didn't work out. But, uh, you know, we're here now talking about it. and It's good to see you. Likewise. And in terms of, obviously, you've gone on to do adaptive surfing. But talk about that journey through the early parts of your your sporting life as well. Because the the, the transition from having a disability to being going into soccer what i know about can we talk about that journey that and be the ups and downs of that sure um i grew up with cerebral palsy so uh there wasn't really a lot of opportunity to play sport um but there was something so i got to play challenger baseball on a recreational level for about a year and a half two years um but it was with people or it was a recreational league it was not a competitive league. So for me, I was moving at a thousand miles per hour while everybody else was moving at like 10, you know? And, uh, it was, it, I wasn't pushed. And then after that, there was, there wasn't really much opportunity as far as, um, creating a team, being on a team or having opportunity to be 
you know, just part of a team or doing sport on your own. Um, and so that kind of creates a little bit of um, gray area. So I was, I was existing in a gray area. I had enough disability to be um, not considered normal, quote unquote, and then I didn't have enough disability to be considered part of the adaptive community. So where do I fit at any point in time, right? Because I was, it, it felt different, right? Um, being part of that and then working through that as I got older, I tried to do things on my own. It was like, okay, if I can't be accepted by either of you, then I have to just create my own reality and do what I want to do. And what I started to do is challenge myself to try things. So I went after wrestling. I tried wrestling um, as a kid with CP who doesn't have very good flexibility. So you can imagine how I was sprawled out, getting thrown around. But I enjoyed that because I was given an opportunity to participate, to compete, to try. That's what I really wanted was the, the opportunity to do, to do it and then find out for myself. It was given to me. And I was given matches actually at a certain point, which was nice. It didn't go well, but at least they gave me a shot. Uh, and I kept coming back for more. I kept coming back for more. And then that disappeared. Um, I moved on from wrestling um, because it just didn't suit what I wanted anymore. Like I was committed to it, but I wasn't. I enjoyed it, but I wasn't committed to it. That, that was probably, that's probably the best way to put it. And so then I really moved into another sport, football, American football. Um, now that is probably like the, the worst sport you can choose for someone with cerebral palsy because you're getting pummeled into the dirt, you know, and I'm small. I was really, really small at that time. Um, I guess you could say I was a late bloomer. <laughs> I was like five foot one, two. I was tiny, um, but I didn't care. I wanted to be part of something. So I went out and I tried to participate. Uh, I was never throwing the ball really. I got maybe like two, maybe three throws towards me. And it was like, they were so fast. I couldn't handle them. I, I had no experience playing football, but I loved it. I could throw a ball. I could catch it. I could run with it. But like at faster speeds, it was hard to kind of coordinate my body. Um, but I kept trying. I kept plugging away at it. And I, I remember I would go to the field in the dead of summer and run routes because nobody else would run them with me. And I wanted to try and get better. Uh, so I worked at it. Uh, but I wasn't given the opportunity to participate. So instead, they put me as a team manager. Um, and that was really hard, you know, because you feel like you're an athlete, but they don't give you the opportunity to express your yourself. So you get feel like you feel like you're trapped a little bit almost, but you work through it and you make your own opportunities where you can. So I went through the majority of high school um, unable to participate in sport, and that's when I actually started exercising, working out, lifting and uh, getting my body more into shape. So now I'm reaching you know, a different level of, of physical ability, but there's no opportunities there. And you know you're athletic, you know, 
it becomes a it becomes a challenge in and of itself. I didn't get the opportunity to um, play that much collegiate sport. When I got to college, I would really play um, just pick up football, stuff like that. And then I had the opportunity to train athletes who were walking on to Fresno State football, uh, which was a Division One program, um, and they needed a coach. I knew I could coach. So I took them all under my wing, and there were five of them. And two of them ended up walking on and making the team for at least a year. So that was a big, that was a big moment for me because I knew I had helped them in some kind of way with their skill sets. Um, but I wanted to always play, but there was no opportunity to. So you can see where I'm like it's caught here. And then I realized, well, fine, if you're not going to let me play, then I'm going to coach. And I loved coaching. I was really passionate about it. I really liked the strategy of it, going after it, and uh, you know, that kind of thing. Playing the game and understanding every concept of the game to to get you to a victory. So that was really fun. I did that for about, I guess you could say, six years, seven years. Well, professionally, I did it for about six or seven years. And uh, it was great, but there was something always missing. And then, you know, as I got older and I got more opportunities, I, I remembered um, I was working, let me backtrack. I was working three jobs and each one of those jobs you would say is the right step or in the right direction for professional coaching and professional sports. Um, so I was working in a division one program. I was working for a professional soccer team in Los Angeles as a coach. So I was doing admin and I was doing coaching. And then I was also working with athletes on a mentor basis at a division one college as well. So all three of those things were, 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 were working on one aspect that I wanted to get better at in coaching admin coaching athletes right like it was positive but what i didn't see beforehand and what i didn't accept was how unhappy i was i was working 60 to 80 hours a week um, working these three jobs i would go home at one or two in the morning and um I was also going to grad school full time and it was just way too much. And I didn't feel accepted or respected. Uh, and it was rough and I had to keep kind of working through that, working through that. And I, I felt like I wasn't going to get, I felt like I wasn't going to be given the, the fair shot that I wanted. So I had to make a choice and it was a very difficult one to make. And, um, sitting in my car late night, um, I had one of my best friends who's only ever looked out for the, for my best interests. And we just had a real conversation about it. He was like, you know what, man? He's like, you're at an age 
where you can do whatever you want. Why don't you go compete in surfing? Because he knew I surfed. But surfing didn't really start in my life until I, until I was 24. That's when I moved to Southern California from Central California after I graduated with my bachelor's. So that's when I really got into surfing. So, so I got involved in surfing super, super late in my life. But it was necessary because it had to teach me how to be open with myself how to push your limits mentally and physically. And that's when things started to get better in my life because I started to realize more things. I started to become more in tune with myself, the world around me and my truth, I guess you could say. And then that moment that, that, that guy or my boy hit me with those words, it kind of all synced up. And that's when I made a choice to go for what I really wanted to do, which was be someone to empower others to reach their goals and live my best life that I could with gratitude and fulfillment. And I'm happier than I've ever been because of that. And it was a, it was a really big risk to take that we are here now talking to someone in Liverpool <laughs> and it's great. But, but do you think that sense and I'm going to use um, a metaphor now uh, and use the, the religion of Buddhism. Do you think you've, you've kind of hit a sense of enlightenment then? Yeah, I would say so for sure. I would definitely say so because it, that's what it, Yeah. I would just say yes. <laughs> <laughs> but what, 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 <laughs> um, in terms of that way of thinking now, Jacob, do you think it takes hitting, we could call it rock bottom, getting down in the dumps to get to where you need to get to in the sense of empowerment, enlightenment, and you could use multiple synonyms to, to make my point. Or can you be more aware and make a better judgment call earlier than the fact? I think you have to process your emotions first, understand them on a different level, and then you can move forward and do what you got to do with a focused mindset. I think you have to process your emotions. And that's very hard for us to do because it involves looking inside of ourselves and seeing the things that we don't necessarily want to see. You know, I, I'll be the first one to tell you that I was living my life with others in mind. So I was influenced by the outside world telling me what I should do with my life rather than me telling myself what I want to do with my life. See that that's where it gets like, crazy right like we we think about what our lives should really look like and then we start kind of putting the puzzle together and all of a sudden like oh okay i might be missing a piece here and a piece here but i can go get those pieces to create my type of ideal life but do you think on on and we go a little bit deeper now 
and get your opinion on this in terms of you know like looking it inwards and looking within yourself do you think it's more difficult with somebody with a disability then i'm not sure that's a really good question i would actually say that i would say that if you have a disability it causes you to be introspective from the moment you have a disability whether you're an amputee, you've had a traumatic injury, or you're congenital, and you're when you become aware, it causes you to be introspective, you know, and that's 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 where the difficult things come into play, right? Because you have to, you're you are your own worst enemy and your greatest ally, so you have to deal with yourself, and that's a handful. But remember that you are in control of your own mind, your own body, and your own life. You are capable, you are functional, and when you put your mind to something, you will be able to get it done. Because people with disabilities are resourceful, they're creative, and they are really, really driven and determined. Because they've come back from things or they've they have resiliency from what they've dealt with in the course of their lives they have to getting up in the morning you have to be resilient getting ready in in the morning requires resiliency patience we have routines because we can't just pick up and move out you know we have to have routines you know because it makes our lives easier we're both about functionality and accessibility. I think that that's uh, that that's one thing I love the most. I I like to look good, James, but I will favor functionality over looks every day of the week. You know. Well, I can agree with that because uh, I don't look the best today, and <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm being functional as opposed to. Uh, uh, you're all right. You're all right. Coming back to the uh-huh. the, the appearance. But in terms of the, the, the mindset now that you're talking about, uh, Jacob, in terms of the re- uh, resiliency, um, the mental fortitude that somebody is going to have. But on the other hand, you look at it from this argument now, and for say, it generally is the mind that's stopping people to, to be able to quote-unquote achieve because they put limiting beliefs on themselves i yeah limiting beliefs are they are your skeletons in your closet you have to deal with your skeletons if you want to move forward and you have to accept them you know they're never going to go away you have to accept them and move forward and you have to be willing to do that that's the first step you know, limiting beliefs are skeletons. They they are they are what we don't like the most about ourselves. They are the things that we don't want to accept. You know, and, and once we do that, we have a empowered feeling. And that, that doesn't go away the first day after you accept it. It's continuous work. Like we think that it's going to just heal itself in a day. And it doesn't like, that's one thing I wish I would have known as I went through this, this reflection and this journey 
is how much continuous work that it requires of you. But it's like you have to want that happiness in your life. You have to want that empowerment. You have to be committed to that because the alternative is, is, some, is worse. You know, do you, you have to be committed to it. Like, do you want this or do you want that? And are you going to be able to follow through with it? You know, that's being real with yourself. Did I answer the question, James? Yeah, I'm going to come on to this bit. But then in most cases, though, Jacob, most people are running away from what they're afraid of as opposed to running towards something that they would like to achieve. People fear what they don't understand. And the moment you take a minute to try to understand why you feel the way you feel, it can open a few doors for you. I know what it's like to feel not good enough. I know what it's like to feel like you don't deserve the best. No matter what you do, nothing is ever good enough. No matter how hard you try, it's not the best job. It's not the best life. I've, I've dealt with all those beliefs. But the moment you accept who you are and the things you can do, it's empowerment. I know my limitations. I'm aware of them. But it doesn't mean I don't try to work at them. We're not perfect. We're humans. We're flawed. The beauty is accepting those flaws and creating something still more beautiful than those flaws. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. In terms of this reflective state that you talk about, Jacob, where where do you do this um, case in point in, in terms of meditation kind of thought process I'm going to use to be able to get into that state of mind. Is that through, is that through doing the surfing that is exacerbated the awareness of looking at things in in a more positive light? Um, I would think that it's because of a lot of different factors. Um, Surfing, uh, the opportunities that I've had to experience some of the self-help that I've received, uh, being in tune with myself, but also like really weird moments. You know, for example, last night, last night, yesterday, I was at work. It was the start of the semester. I'm still doing the mentoring job that I did beforehand. I love that job. The people that work there are just incredible humans. And I remember I was in my boss's office and we were just talking back and forth as respected colleagues. And I've been working with her for a long time now and I've wanted to stay there because I enjoy it. And I remember I looked up at around her office and I just started smiling really, really big. And I was appreciating where I was in that moment. And you know what my best friend said who was right next to me? She was like, are you reflecting right now? Don't do that. (laughs) And I was like, I can't help it. And my boss said, she's great. My boss said, that I am grateful for where I'm at. That's literally the words that came out of her mouth. And I just pointed at her. I was like, yup, 
That's exactly right. <laughs> you know, so it was um that's that's how I go about it. You know, it's it's not like I have to sit down and meditate in a beach or a forest. I I just have these moments where I appreciate it. You have more appreciation for what's going on in your life. And uh, my penultimate question to you then, Jacob, before we wrap up. I like that. I before, like it. Before we wrap up the episode, how, how would you get people to, beyond what we've talked about, challenge and obviously change their inner beliefs then? How do I go about helping them? No, how would you go about getting somebody to either challenge or change their inner belief system? <laughs> you have to discover you have to discover as well as they do <laughs> you dying over there James yeah, <laughs> yeah go on uh, okay um, that's a good question man that's going to be a tough one to answer <laughs> right People have to go about changing their inner beliefs. The way to go about that is to have a conversation with yourself about if, you, if that is something that you really, really want. And then as you go through the process, you continuously ask yourself, is this what I truly want? It's called a check-in. You have to keep checking in with yourself because it's not about the initial work. What matters is the maintenance of that work over an extended period of time. And that creates routine, practice. You get better and better and better the more you do it. Case in point, when I started YouTubing, I had no clue what I was doing. Absolutely none. And then I just kept working at it. I had the camera on. I kept filming. I kept doing stuff. I, I talked to people that understood how to shoot things and then I just got better at it and I kept checking in with myself. About every 30 episodes I would ask, is this something I want to keep doing? Because man, I sit in front of a computer all the time. You know, and it's, it's, it can get frustrating. But I answered yes every time and then I just got better and better and better and things started really happening. So... You have to continuously check in with yourself, maintain all the work that you've done and get better at it and live with appreciation, gratitude and happiness. That's how you can help change your inner beliefs. And I'm not saying that it's not going to be hard. It's probably going to be the hardest thing you've ever done in your life. But that, that work, that maintenance is worth it every day, every minute, every hour. And my final question to you, now that we come to the end of the show, is you had to, if you had to summarize what we've been speaking about today into one sentence for people to take away, what would that be? How to empower yourself and change your inner beliefs. Yeah, no. Did you hear that? No? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, what did you think? 
It's not normal that somebody be able to get the answer straight away. <laughs> oh, is that? Did it surprise you that I was so quick? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, what did I say wrong? <laughs> uh, that's not bad, is it? Or should we change that? No, no, that's not bad. It's it's just it was unexpected. That's all. <laughs> normally, people, normally people go, "Oh crap!" Um, <sighs> I wasn't expecting that kind of question. Or let me think about it. Let me take a moment to <laughs> to to to, to um, come up with I'm a good answer. Quick on my feet, James. Come on, there, Jamie boy. You know I'm quick. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, if you're happy with that, it will go with that. Did you like it? Say it again, then. Did you like it? What was it? Imp- like the interview. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Do you want me to? Say, do you want me to say it again? Like how to empower people and change your inner beliefs? Yeah. You want me to say it like intensely? Up to you. <laughs> how to empower yourself and change your inner beliefs? So once again, Jacob, thanks again for coming on the Mindset Athlete Podcast. Thank you for having me, brother. Oh, it's my pleasure. If you like this episode, please do share it with your friends and do let Jacob and I know what you thought of the episode by tagging us over on Instagram at prone to ride. That's P R O N E T O R I D E and at James O Roberts 11. And again, you can do the same on Twitter and Facebook. And finally, do check out his website, ProneToRide.com. And and as always, do check out my free content at fitamputee.co.uk and click on the tab free resources. Make sure to check those links out. They will be in the description. You can find all the show notes at mindsetgame.lipsum.com under the category sport. So once again... Thanks for listening and I'll catch you next week for another episode of the Mindset Athlete Podcast.